Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. Road rage is a phenomenon so common that it can be hard to imagine moving from place to place without it these days. That applies to just about anyone within range of a vehicle. Drivers, passengers, cyclists, joggers, and walkers. That also includes people close enough to roadways, like kids or folks waiting for a bus or sitting at a park bench, to see road rage, which seems more and more prevalent. AAA spokesperson Nick Chaberia says the data supports that feeling. Aggressive driving has only gotten worse in the past five years. Aggressive driving includes activities like tailgating, cutting someone off, running red lights, changing lanes without a signal, weaving in and out of traffic, blocking cars trying to pass or change lanes, and speeding in heavy traffic. You know, and what we've really seen, uh, you know, as, as, a, as a main contributing factor, I think, is speed. Uh, you know, we've seen speeds increase. I know if you, you know, talk to law enforcement uh, during the pandemic, and it's, there's, the research is kind of still coming out on why that was, because, you know, you have to remember going back to 2020, you know, our roads were relatively empty, especially in, you know, in the, in the first half of the year and, you know, in the, in the first two quarters of the year, you know, not many people were traveling. People were staying home from work. You know, schools were virtual. People weren't taking trips. But it was during that time when the roads were empty that we saw speeds increasing on the roadways. And, and unfortunately, even though we had emptier roads in 2020, fatalities in Missouri and, and nationwide actually increased year over year which was really surprising to a lot of folks in the traffic safety industry. AAA did a preliminary study on, you know, trying to figure out why that was, why we saw the increase in fatalities when we had less volume on the roads. And what the study found basically is that there were more risky drivers out on the roads during that time. So even though there was less car volume overall, the drivers that were on the roads were more likely to take risks and therefore more likely to end up, uh, you know, in a crash, either hurting themselves or somebody else. Nick added that it's aggressive driving that often leads to road rage incidents. AAA did a study on road rage 10 years ago, in 2014, and found that nearly 80% of U.S. drivers reported having significant anger, aggression, or road rage behind the wheel at least once in the last year. You know, what it looked at was was certain behaviors, uh, purposefully tailgating, yelling at another driver, honking to show annoyance or anger, you know, making angry, angry gestures, um, trying to block a vehicle from changing lanes, cutting off other vehicles on purpose, and, and even getting out of the vehicle to, to confront another driver. Uh, you know, that, that I think to most drivers seems like it would be, you know, a very aggressive behavior. Four percent of, of, of the surveyed uh, drivers reported doing that at least once in the last year. You know, and that's really the, those are really the behaviors like getting out of a vehicle to confront a driver or purposely bumping or ramming a vehicle. Those are really the, the, the uh, aggressions and the behaviors where we see things, you know, really escalate and lead to some, you know, unfortunate situations oftentimes. 
Unfortunate situations like the one Imani Wintz, the owner of the Noir Bookshop, experienced on the road. So about a year ago, I was at a stoplight on Big Bend, and there was a woman in the car next to me, and she had this huge, fluffy dog, and the dog was so cute. And so I had my windows rolled up, and I attempted to take a picture of the dog. And so I didn't get a picture of the dog because the light changed. But the woman saw me, and she yanked the dog by his collar, and she starts screaming at me to delete the picture. Now, I had already cleared my camera because I didn't actually get a picture of it. I just got a blur of her yanking the dog. But I just ignored her, and I continue to drive. And she starts pursuing me down the street on Big Ben, full speed, pursuing me down the street until we get all the way to Del Mar. And she stops at the light, tries to cut me off, and she's screaming at me to delete the supposed picture of her dog that never actually happened. And it was bewildering to me because here we are, and she thought that she had the entitlement to pursue someone down the street at top speed to tell them to stop taking pictures of her dog when I was in my car with my window rolled up and it's public. Um, So, yeah, that's my story. It was terrifying, and that lady's insane. Now, whether you're a driver, pedestrian, or cyclist, we want to hear your experience. Share a time when you've either been the victim of road rage or when an incident caused you perhaps to have road rage yourself. Join our conversation by calling us at 314-382-8255. That's 314-382-TALK. Or email us at talk at stlpr.org. And here in studio to discuss road rage and aggressive driving, we have Dr. Helen Friedman, clinical psychologist in St. Louis. Dr. Friedman, welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here. So as we were listening to uh, the, the audio from several different people, I saw a lot of expressions sort of... <laughs> go across your face. What is it that you were thinking as you were hearing what people were sharing there? Well, I'm smiling with recognition or um, widening my eyes in awe, and I can really empathize with that, that last caller who called in about the woman following her. And road rage is a scary thing, and we know some things that cause it. So they're both environmental and psychological. And environmental would be somebody's running late, there's congested traffic, traffic's moving slowly. However, people who are more prone, now anybody could feel angry behind the wheel, but people who are really prone to road rage have some, um, some characteristics in common. One, they usually get in the car angry to begin with, whether uh-huh. it's home stress or work stress. So their resting level of stress is high. Their resting level of anxiety is high. And that's associated with, uh, this is jargon, separation and individuation, which is the major developmental task of adulthood, mm-hmm. which means I understand where I end and you begin. Okay. So it lets people allows you to be you and others to be others Mm -hmm. and doesn't take things personally. Okay. So somebody in road rage takes somebody else's actions very personally or makes assumptions and then wants to seek revenge. Mm -hmm. Now, is there something in particular, I mean, as you're talking about this, the separation and individuation, 
I'm thinking about what Imani Wentz had shared about being in the car with the windows rolled up. So there is a physical distance and there are, are physical barriers between people. Um, but is there something more about driving in a, a vehicle that, um, that brings out irritation and causes people to respond in the way that, that she had described? Absolutely. People with the windows up have a false sense of security and also pe- feel invisible as well as invincible. Um, George Carlin, the comedian, oh, did a yes. skit uh, on people in cars feeling invisible. Now, his skit was on people picking their noses. I was thinking. <laughs> it was not on road rage. But what he was saying was in cars, there's a sense of immunity from the norms of polite society, like you can't see me. And not only that, there's objectification of others. So we see others as just a bobbling head, a bobblehead behind a steering wheel, Mm -hmm. as opposed to someone's mother, somebody's son. Um, And with vehicles, it's more likely to, to show aggression because it's different than being on a bus. I mean, in one's own car. Right. Different than being on a bus, a plane, a tractor. You're more visible. There's mm-hmm. other people on a bus or a plane. Yeah. Now, technology you know, has led to a, a decline in in-person interactions. Do you think, Dr. Freeman, that that has contributed to sort of a, a general lack of empathy for others or like a, a trust that others have our best interest in mind? And, and does that extend to the roads? I think road ragers think negatively to begin with. Right. So exactly. I don't think that's impacted it. However, along the lines of what you're saying, there really has been a mental health crisis with the pandemic, with reduced con contact. So that's created more stress. Mm -hmm. And also, it's been an adjustment. As you said, for a while, nobody was on the roads. Right. But now people are back. um, So there's more stress. Right. Something that I I would want to sort of get to before we go much further, George Carlin, we, we lost him quite a long time ago. Cars have been around for a while, but in your experience as a, a clinical psychologist and just as a like human out in the world, does it seem like road rage is something that people experience much more now than they did, you know, like 20, 30, 40 years ago? I'm not sure mm-hmm. in actuality, but maybe so. Maybe as cities get more built up and there's more... Uh, crowds, crowdedness, people on the road more. Um, maybe 20, 30 years ago, everyone in a family didn't have a car, but now they do. Right. So there's more vehicles on the road. Okay. Well, and that gets to something um, interesting that we heard from uh, a caller. Rachel called in to share her experience with road rage. It's mainly been from my own husband. Um, and a lot of times, though, it's in response to people and their poor driving. There are a lot of people that we've encountered on the road who just will cut him off. And that seems to be the thing that really sets him off for some reason. And it's like he feels like he has to get back to them. So he'll do things like 
uh, start to kind of pull into their lane, drift into their lane, and then he'll get up in front of them and he'll brake check them. And it has caused some really scary road rage incidents where the last one, a man came pulled up beside us and he was screaming at us through the window um, on my side, the passenger side. And it's gotten to the point where I've definitely told my husband, there's no way I'll ever ride with you again if you continue with this behavior. But uh, from what I've found with him is it, it's a learned behavior. He observed it with his father, and now he's doing it himself. Dr. Friedman, you're doing a lot of nodding. <laughs> well, first of all, that's a really good call because we – we think about the road rager, we think about the victim, but I've had so many partners of road ragers talk to me and tell me how stressful it is. Even if their partner isn't weaving in and out, even if they're not making gestures or remarks, just the swearing, you know, it's, it's stressful for the partner. But also I love what she said about learned behavior. It's really about emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. And some people learn it from their parents, learn to regulate their emotions. But some people learn not to right. from their parents. And that as a, a parent, and as uh, I do a lot of driving, when my son is in the car, I will respond, um, not not outwardly, um, but I am cognizant of his being in the vehicle with me and learning things that I don't want him to pick up. We want to invite you again to this conversation. If you have a, an incident from uh, your own experience as a driver, whether you're a pedestrian or a cyclist, share it with us. Give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can email us at talk at stlpr.org. We have David on the line from Florissant. David, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I, had, I had an incident uh, this past summer. Um, I live in Florissant, and I was on my way back to my house over Missouri Bottom Road, which is a two-lane road. And I had four or five cars behind me. The speed limit there is 40. Um, when I'm on that road, I don't, do over, I, I don't do over 50. So people like to go pretty fast on that stretch. A car passed me. I didn't even know this car was coming up on my left side until he was just alongside my car. I mean, I didn't have time to even look in the mirror to see that this car was trying to pass me, so I couldn't slow down at all. There was oncoming traffic coming toward us, and by the time I even saw this car, he cut in front of me, missing my car by inches and missing this oncoming car by a matter of feet. Mm -hmm. I was totally astounded that a driver would would jeopardize their own life along with other people just to get ahead of someone to save a matter of seconds maybe this was right unbelievable and so i can just imagine all of the emotions david thank you for sharing that all of the emotions that he must have felt in that moment 
I mean, does this resonate insofar as what you have heard, Dr. Friedman? Yes, and it goes along with what Nick from AAA was saying, that road ragers are risk takers. They do things, they they, uh, go 10 or 20 miles per hour over the speed limit, they rapidly switch lanes, they tailgate, they enter intersections during a red light. Um, it, it just fits that. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a very quick break here, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation and to take your calls about road rage. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. Let's return to our conversation about what drives road rage and how it might be curbed with Dr. Friedman, a clinical Uh, Dr. Helen Friedman, a clinical psychologist in St. Louis. One of the things we did not get to before the break has to do with uh, conditions that not only exist here in Missouri, but it is something to be thinking about, and that has to do with firearms. So um, every town for gun safety released a report in March that found that the number of road rage injuries and deaths involving guns has increased every year since 2018. They reported that in 2022, every 16 hours, someone was shot, injured, or killed in a road rage incident. Now, Jonathan Lawrence was shot during a road rage incident in St. Louis uh, this past November, and he had just gotten home from work when a car came flying down a one-way street where he lives. And I, I hollered, slow down. So he stopped, and I said, there's kids playing on the sidewalk. He said, I don't give a mess about them kids. So... I kind of threw my arms up and said, okay, let's go. He said, I don't have any time to fight no white boy. And aimed out of his driver's window and got off five rounds. Jonathan was shot twice in his leg and once in the groin. He says that the third shot came very close to his femoral artery. He was taken by ambulance to a nearby hospital and received trauma surgery on his left tibia. Today, Jonathan says he's able to take a few baby steps without a cane. But he also finds himself reflecting on his actions when the driver sped down the street. I don't downplay my role in it. I should have de-escalated and had I chance again, I probably would have tried to de-escalate because de-escalation is in my job. I try to de-escalate tense situations all the time and had I tried a little harder to try to defuse that, I probably wouldn't be in this situation I am today. A saying that helped me out a lot growing up is seek first to understand and then to be understood. So maybe we should need to just start, you know, giving each other a little 
slack on the roads and stuff. So, Dr. Friedman, clearly Jonathan has had a very unique experience with road rage and what can happen. And he's reflected, too. What was it that stood out about what he shared? There were several things. One is people who do road rage tend to be more impulsive. So guns and impulsivity do not mix. Um, he raised a good point about you you want to de-escalate because we don't know what another person is going to do. Um, and also when he said seek to understand, that speaks to not making assumptions about other people. However, in high adrenaline situations, it's hard to slow down and do that. Mm-hmm. We have Therese on the line from Baldwin. Therese, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Thank you. Yes, I had an experience um, at the post office when they had the after-hours drive-through, and I was preparing an envelope to pop in the mailbox, and a big red truck pulled up behind me. The man rolled down his window and said, get out of the way. You're in the way. And the look on his face terrified me. I was afraid that he might have a gun. Uh, I'm over 65. My reactions aren't that quick. I wasn't able to pull away in time to make him happy, and he sped off screaming at me. And this is a sort of a one of many incidents where I haven't driven as quickly as the person behind me wants me to, even if I'm going the speed limit and they'll honk and pass me and yell. I'm wondering, what is it that makes people so impatient that they have to yell at somebody with gray hair? Mm. Therese, thank you for calling. Well, once again, I think it's making assumptions about people. Uh, you're not going as fast as I would like you to go, as opposed to maybe that person can't go any faster. So it's it's uh, people who road rage tend to think negatively and aggressively about others in general. You ever hear the term cruising for a bruising? Right. Um, these people often have a chip on their shoulder, and so they're easily aggravated. Mm-hmm. We also have Mike, who's calling from Greenville, Illinois. Mike, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Go ahead. Um, yes, uh, I'm a cyclist, and uh, some of the roads that I ride on are two-lane roads uh, with no shoulders. And uh, I wear uh, bright yellow clothes so people can see me. Uh, I have a helmet on with a taillight. i got a taillight on my bicycle a mirror on my helmet so I can see traffic behind me. I don't wear earphones. Uh, but inevitably, what I see a lot of times is I will see oncoming traffic, and 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 sometimes that oncoming traffic is quite doing uh, things that you wouldn't expect to be normal, like running off the road, like they're being forced off the road. When I see this, and I do see it frequently, uh, I'll look at my mirror, and there's another car trying to pass me on a two-lane road with oncoming traffic, and inevitably it happens when all three of us come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it puts me in a very dangerous situation. It definitely puts a, uh, the person in the oncoming car in a very dangerous position, and uh, it, it, I get aggravated with it, you know, because... It, they, there's no concern for the safety of the cyclists or the oncoming traffic. Right, Mike, thank you for calling. We also have Sue, who has a, a similar comment. Sue, 
uh, calling from St. Louis. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Uh, Yes, I agree with the cyclists. I'm also a cyclist, but I'm also more of a pedestrian. I live in the city. We walk a lot. Mm. And what I have found is uh, people, there's no regard for pedestrians because you're in a car. You're more powerful. You know, you'll you'll have the walk sign. You'll be in the walk, crosswalk, and people will just honk on you, honk at you to like you're in the way. And I, I, I really think people would run you down. And not think twice about it. I, 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 I've read about that in the paper, you know. One lady ran a man down with a walker. She backed up, said sorry, and went on, you know. Right, right. And, but, um, and, and I think part of it is the law enforcement. There just aren't enough police enforcing laws, and people just get by with it. So mm. you really have to have your head on a swivel. Right. You know, Jennifer, thank you so much. Um, thank you. We also... Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Sue, thank you. We also have Jennifer, who's calling from Bourbon. Jennifer, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. What is your comment? Hi. Well, I live in Bourbon. I worked in Fenton and made that 60-mile commute every day. Um, I carpooled. The the mornings were not too bad, but the afternoons, you know, on Highway 44... It was 70, 75 miles an hour, bumper to bumper, all the way out to the Washington exit is when we lost traffic. The worst part was the Eureka exit, getting off there. So many people go in there to go to Wildwood and wherever they're going. They're in the left lane, the third left lane, going 70 miles an hour and swerve over real fast to get to the exit. Mm-hmm. Didn't they know a mile beforehand that they had to get off of that exit? Why couldn't they make it over before the road, before right. beforehand? Jennifer, <laughs> yes, I also, I have definitely seen that happen. And not being alone in the car also adds another dimension of danger and, and hazard. Thank you so much for, for calling with that. We also got an email from David. David says, my wife and I have noticed that aggressive and self-centered driving seems to be of epidemic proportions in the last few years, but we were chalking it up to us having arrived at being senior citizens. I have three principles uh, Three principles when I am driving. One is everyone on the road is an idiot except for me. Number two is don't be too sure about yourself. And three, the law of physics trumps all other laws. David says he reminds himself constantly that you don't have to pass an intelligence test to get a driver's license and that nobody needs to pass pass a basic courtesy test to get the same. Um, and, you know, everyone on the road, an idiot except for me, and, uh, you know, not being too sure of yourself, maybe they, they contradict. But in total, what we've heard from our callers and from, from David who emailed, what is it that is coming across for you? So I agree with David about defensive driving, that it's, it's really, that it's, it behooves each one of us to do that. The other thing that stands out is kindness. Kindness, whether you're the driver, whether you're the pedestrian. I've needed to make a right turn and somebody's, somebody who's young and able-bodied is just walking really slowly. It's like if I'm cutting across the street, I dart so that, you know, cars could get by. But it's so that everyone just show the other the other party some kindness. Right. But it, 
easier said than done. Right. You right. might be able to do it. I might be able to do it, although maybe not all the time. Mm-hmm. But but somebody who is in this kind of impulsive there, there's also some research that says people who do road rage tend to misuse alcohol and drugs. You know, there's a whole uh, bunch of things. Of yes, right, a host of things right. that hang together that make them more impulsive. Mm-hmm. To sort of end on a note that is a little more uh, practical and optimistic, AAA spokesperson Nick Chaberia advises that everyone drive on the defensive, as you just mentioned, and to sometimes just let things go. Rule-following, law-abiding drivers, you know, people uh, maybe don't like to see other drivers breaking the law, running red lights, speeding, weaving in and out of traffic. You know, unfortunately, it's, it's not our, our, our uh, jobs to, to police that. And, you know, it's not our, our position to try to deter that driver from, from breaking those laws or from driving recklessly. It's best to, to just let them go. If, if they're really putting people in danger, you know, you can call police and, and let them know, you know, what direction that vehicle is going and a description of that vehicle. You know, some other practical tips, you know, even, you know, don't make eye contact. If somebody pulls up beside you and they're angry, you know, just ignoring them, you know, will oftentimes diffuse the situation. Uh, You know, of course, you know, never make any obscene gestures. That always escalates things. Uh, And then again, you know, if you need to, if if you feel you're really in danger as a driver or if you think other drivers are in danger, you know, call 911 with a vehicle description and, and direction of travel. So, Dr. Freeman, coping strategies, are there maybe one or two very uh, practical things that we can do to avoid sort of succumbing to um, anger that may arise as we are we are driving or encountering people who are not very courteous drivers? Yes. So, first, don't set yourself up for anger by running late. Allow enough time to get where you're going. Mm-hmm. Um Watch what you tell yourself about a situation. So don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. Um, learn different ways to relax yourself. Turn on some good music. Um, but often people tell themselves horrible things and rile themselves up, and anger begets anger. Mm-hmm. So it almost sounds like to take it all the way back to the beginning of the conversation, uh, talking yourself down before you even step into the car or turn on the ignition sounds like something that would also be beneficial. Right. Uh, be aware of your of how you're feeling when you get in the car and then allow enough time so you're not stressed. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming in to talk with us. Dr. Helen Friedman is a clinical psychologist here in St. Louis. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Doerr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.